0: Today, the Fed performs a number of important functions, all with the ultimate goal of promoting a healthy U.S. economy.
1: It's a major responsibility to be on the Federal Open Market Committee. You have to track the economy every day. One
0: of the Fed's most recognizable functions is conducting U.S. monetary policy, which involves influencing interest rates and the availability of money and credit in our economy.
1: The world is watching, so it does matter quite a bit what. Decisions get made.
0: And Jim Bullard, a key decision maker on which direction to take the U.S. economy. He spent 15 years as head of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, now bringing that real-world experience to guide the next generation of business leaders at Purdue. I appreciate Purdue taking a chance on me. I'm not coming directly from academia,
1: so uh, this is a, uh, a match made in heaven. In that,
0: Join us for a conversation with the former president and CEO, of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, and the first leader of the new Mitchell E. Daniels, Jr. School of Business at Purdue. Jim Bullard, my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. hello and welcome to the business and beyond podcast presented by pnc i'm gary dick jim bullard played a major role in shaping economic policy in the u.s for a decade and a half he was born in wisconsin raised in minnesota got his phd from iu and now he's back in indiana and i am pleased to be joined on the podcast this week by jim bullard jim's the former president uh, CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis and currently the dean, the inaugural dean of the Mitchell E. Daniel School of Business at Purdue University. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, you bet. You know, you spent 15 years leading the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Certainly, uh, one of the most respected economists uh, really around the globe, not just in this uh, in this country. What prompted you to? Uh, uh, jump at the opportunity to lead the uh, the new Daniel School of Business. Oh, it's a
1: great opportunity. There's a lot of passion behind the project and money and uh, a lot of great students here. So really appreciate the uh, chance to get back to academia and uh, lead this effort and try to create a new and distinctive business school for Purdue.
0: Yeah, you talk about getting back to academia. So you were at at the Federal Reserve, but but had previously been in academia. Talk about that uh, that background and why I guess it would uh, it would be a natural for you to take uh, to take this role. Yeah, before I was president, I was
1: on the research staff at the St. Louis Fed for years, and um, you know that job is really an academic style job. You you are expected to write papers, get citations, go to conferences. Uh, my co-authors were all at universities around. Uh, and elsewhere in the Fed. So um, there's a big component of the Fed that is, uh, has some big academic standing. So that's what I was part of.
0: Okay. Talk about the Mitchell E. Daniels uh, Junior School of Business at Purdue. You mentioned this is a big undertaking. It certainly is leading what is essentially a remake of what folks uh, certainly around Indiana and, and the country have known or had known as the Krannert School of Management for many years. Now uh, putting the uh, the Mitch Daniels name on the uh, on the school, talk about where things are in the evolution because this is a big remake. You have a new building, a lot of things going on. Yeah,
1: I just think there's a outstanding opportunity to create a distinctive brand among business schools. Uh, Purdue is number four in the nation in engineering. Uh, next year, it's likely that Purdue will turn out more engineers than any place else in America. And, you know, this kind of idea, excellence at scale uh, is really important to Purdue. But for the business school, I think we want to get bigger, we want to integrate even better with uh, engineering and science and other great programs that we have around Purdue and create this brand that takes advantage of the fact that technology has become such an integral part of business. Technology was always important. But with, with the rise of Silicon Valley, it's really business and technology have become the same thing. So the idea is to create a distinctive brand around that and really push Purdue to, to challenge the top business
0: schools in the nation. You talk about brand, uh, which is so important uh, these days, I think. I think it's always been important, but it's at the forefront, I think, more so today. Purdue has a certain, certainly has a distinctive brand that is recognized uh, around the country, around the globe. What does having the Mitch Daniels name on the school from a branding perspective add to your uh, to your efforts? Well, it's an honor and a privilege
1: to uh, have his name on the school because he was such a consequential leader for Purdue and uh, not just for Purdue, but I think for all of America and in, in showing us how uh, higher education can be done differently and better uh, than it has been done historically. So I just think it's uh, it's fantastic. It's been great for fundraising, great for enthusiasm around the project and And I just think it'll be a fitting naming for uh, to commemorate uh, Mitch's great
0: uh, run here at Purdue. Talk about education in a different way. talk talk a little bit more about that in terms of the Daniel School of Business. Will it mean a, a shift uh, in sorts in some ways? in terms of the way you d- deliver education, the way you connect with the business community, business and industry, those types of things? Is it a kind of a new day when it comes to that?
1: You know, I think that the, the Kranit brand has been outstanding, but we're going to build on that and do even more. Uh, I think the original idea was, was perfect, uh, but the business world has changed since then. And technology has come to me, not just manufacturing technology, but across the whole gamut. Every business is a technology business today, and that gives us the opportunity to really build on that idea and create something very distinctive. So I think one of the things that we're trying to do here is think of new programs, new ways to push that forward. We have the Integrated Business Engineering degree, which has been very popular. And I think the name says it all, Integrated Business Engineering. We have the uh, business analytics uh, degree and and machine learning, Uh, artificial intelligence becoming more and more popular in the business world. So we're uh, playing up our strengths in that area. The the campus has a big initiative to push harder on computing generally, but computer science in particular. Uh, We plan to partner with that part of the campus as well to expand that part of the program. So there's just a lot to like about uh, integrating uh, business with engineering and, and getting to uh, great programs for our students that that allow them to succeed uh, going forward. It's not enough just to know the technology. You have to know the technology these days and have business acumen. You can't just have one. You might, if you just have the, know the technology, you don't have the business acumen, you're gonna get beat up in the business world. And yeah. if you just have business acumen and you don't know the technology, you're also gonna get beat up in the business world. So. We're going to be able to put those two together, which has been going on for a long time, but even better than our rivals and
0: uh, really challenge the top programs in the nation. You view this, I, I sense, as a real opportunity from a competitive standpoint to take advantage of the strengths, produce strength in technology and engineering and the business side of things, and as you produce uh, and add to that talent pipeline producing graduates that have the skills that uh, really are, are truly relevant today
1: that's absolutely the idea and i think you know there are many other initiatives going on around campus which we'd like to connect with lots of ideas about entrepreneurialism you know starting new companies based on new technologies partnering more even more than we already do we do partner a lot with uh, corporate america but even more than that and continuing to make Purdue the most recruited campus in the nation uh, because of the uh, great students that were turning out 70% STEM students on campus today, and it's probably even rising from there. So uh, a lot to like about uh, the current situation here.
0: Uh, you've just passed, I think you're approaching six months on the job officially, so about a half a year into this. Uh, a lot of things going on there. I know and looking at some of the background, in terms of the establishment of the Daniels School, uh, you kind of had a three pronged approach to recruit talent, secure resources and develop strategies. H- how would you uh, assess your progress six months in? Well, uh, resources
1: took a big step forward when we got the grant from the Lilly Foundation, uh, one hundred million dollars to campus, uh, fifty million dollars to the Daniels School. Uh, that's sub- supplementing the uh, many other supporters uh, that have offered money to help us. And and we really appreciate their gifts and their support. I think on the strategy side, we're pursuing the uh, Masters of Business and Technology, which I think will challenge the MBA degree in the future. This year, we're trying to get an inaugural class to start that up and running. Again, that's the concept there is that you would want the graduate degree that that not only prepares you on the business uh, side in general terms, but also prepares you on the technology side uh, to run the business or run the unit within a larger corporation uh, where you understand the technology well enough to understand what the next steps have to be to make that product better and to understand where you could be disrupted. Um, from someone else somewhere else in the business world that's coming after your cheese, as they say. So uh, we're making great progress so far. Lots of enthusiasm.
0: So I uh, I love it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mentioned some of this, uh, the, the major funding you're getting. Some of that will go to a new building, right? So in terms of a physical presence there, talk about uh, the new building that uh, will house the school.
1: Yeah. One thing about the school here is that uh, this is about twice as many undergrads as we would have had even a few years ago. So uh, we have two buildings on campus uh, dedicated to the business school. We're going to build a third groundbreaking start this coming summer. It should be finished by uh, fall of 2027. You have to get going on these things in order to have, uh, have the physical plant in place uh, in the future. Um, so we are growing. Applications were up double digits this year. Uh, Admits are up double digits this year, so we'll see what the final class turns out to be later, but it certainly looks like we're gonna continue to grow. Uh, I'd like to be too big to ignore. Um, We have all these great uh, STEM students, uh, already one of the top recruited uh, campuses in the nation. So I think we can do even more with that and uh, make sure our students are are getting uh, excellent jobs after their training here on campus.
0: How about, and I just thought of this, but the Purdue and Indianapolis campus, if you will, an extension of the West Lafayette campus, how does that play into the Daniels School of Business in connection to the Indianapolis business community?
1: Yeah, that's something we're uh, working on now and strategizing about now. Uh, I think for July 1st, 2024, which is only a few months away, we will have uh, just a few things that are going on. But over time, we'll be able to develop this out uh, more explicitly, partner with the corporate community in the Indianapolis area. And we really look forward to having great uh, presence in Indianapolis. For this year, we've got you have to split up IU and uh, Purdue, you've got faculty issues, student issues and stuff like that. So for this year, we're just trying to
0: get uh, settled. Uh, But I think once we get two or three years out, uh, we'll be in great shape. Hey, you mentioned uh, you're having a lot of fun. Can you, can you tell me what's the best part of being a business school Dean? Well, did I mention our basketball teams doing pretty well? (laughs) Yeah. That would be, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No,
1: it's, it's fun to be uh, in the middle of the action as far as Big Ten sports, and Jane and I have always loved uh, hanging around the Big Ten, and we know a lot of people on many different campuses around the conference. But uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun to be at the games and be hanging out. So well, and you'll get some,
0: yeah, you'll get some new connections too here uh, coming up as you get USC and UCLA and. Uh, Oregon, yeah, you get I can't quite
1: fathom. I can't quite fathom going to the game and seeing uh, USC on the court, but I guess that's what we're gonna we're gonna yeah. see very soon here. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I've got to ask you your take uh, on the on the national economy. I want to get your take on Indiana too? But as you look at the national economy, and certainly it's uh, it's in greater focus in this this election year as well. See inflation and energy prices and food prices in the headlines. Impacting consumers' pocketbooks, you saw the employer, the uh, uh, employers adding three hundred and fifty thousand plus jobs in January. Conflicting assessments. How would you characterize the state of the national economy as we as we begin twenty twenty four? Well, the biggest story
1: in the national economy over the last couple of years has been the inflation and uh, way too much inflation and uh, approaching or at levels that we last saw in the early 1980s. So this has been a riveting experience to have to go through that much inflation again. People are rightly upset that the prices they're paying today are uh, quite a bit higher than uh, what they were used to just a few years ago. While at the Fed, I advocated uh, that we get going on, uh, on a credible policy to get inflation back down. And we started that policy in 2022. Uh, especially with the four seventy-five basis point increases in a row that occurred in the middle and second half of twenty twenty-two. And I think that policy was seemed harsh at the time. So I'm I'm afraid I'm one of the guys that brought you higher interest rates, but I think it's paying dividends in twenty twenty-three and into twenty twenty-four here, as inflation really peaked in the second half of twenty twenty-two and it's been coming down ever since. And that's Cold comfort for those that are paying the higher prices today, but at least we'll, we'll get the inflation rate uh, back down to the 2% level uh, that we've been shooting for. Looks like we'll have a two handle on inflation on a twelve measured on a 12-month basis on the Fed's favorite measure pretty soon here, or if not already. So it does look like we can get to 2% inflation in 2024, even based on a 12-month uh, uh, measure. In the meantime the real economy has actually been picking up in the second half of 2023 pretty fast gdp growth in the second half uh labor markets have been holding up pretty well so that gives me confidence that this really is a good time to fight the inflation get inflation back down to two percent while the economy is still doing relatively well
0: presidential uh, election year obviously as you look at that and You know, the crazy uh, swings we see in uh, media coverage, social media, all those types of factors that are prevalent today. As you look at um, the role that the economy is going to play in the presidential election, I I assume, you know, as in any other time in the past, it's going to be a very important part of, uh, of what happens from a political standpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Fed uh, usually stays out of politics, and I would expect that to happen again this year. Uh, You know, some people have been reviewing past election cycles and what people said, and uh, I think Volcker, one quote I saw from Volcker was he said, you know, I think we should just play it straight and just stay out of the the whole election thing. And I think that is the attitude, having been there, uh, that's the attitude of the group. Even if you wanted to, you probably couldn't do too much to affect the election one way or the other. Those the elections decided on a whole bunch of issues that are far away from monetary policy. So I don't think they'll play games with it. I think they'll uh, ju- they'll just play it straight. If the data is telling them it's time to cut rates and that, that's what they'll do and, and they'll act on that. So
0: Well, we want to get your take on the Indiana economy as well. Also learn a bit uh, more about the personal story of Jim Bullard. And we'll do that when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community, PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank, all rights reserved. And welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is Jim Bullard. He is the former president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, had that uh, role for some 15 years. He is the inaugural dean of the Mitchell E. Daniels School of Business at Purdue University, uh, a very big job in the remake of what was known as the Krannert School of Management uh, at Purdue. And uh, Jim, you're a Midwesterner, right? An upper Midwesterner, born in Wisconsin, raised in Minnesota. That's right. Uh, my family moved
1: from Wisconsin to Minnesota in uh, when I was six years old. And uh, so all of my uh, schooling uh, was in the Minnesota schools. And then uh, I just remind listeners that uh, we also lived for 33 years in St. Louis. So we have close connections to the community there.
0: Now, are you a Cardinal fan? I've got to ask you that
1: absolutely a cardinal fan uh, at one point over a 15 year period they were the winningest team in baseball i forgot exactly how you have to calculate that but they're very good over a long period of time
0: well we share that uh, we share that passion i'm a lifelong cardinal fan myself so it's a great baseball baseball town to be sure so growing up give me an idea of what uh growing up was like uh, for jim bullard uh, obviously academics are I'm sure very important did you Sports was that an uh, in interest? Arts? What what kind of occupied your time as a youngster? Uh, I played a lot of sports. Uh, being in the north, there you
1: could uh, play pickup hockey. Uh, I never played hockey. I don't think we had a team at the time, but uh, I played basketball. Uh, one year I ran cr- cross country. I played some tennis. Uh, so lots of different sports, and it uh, it was uh, it was fun times.
0: When it came time for college, where did you think about going?
1: Where did you end up? I went to St. Cloud State University, which is in the middle of the state there, pretty big campus. I, about 12,000 students or so when we, we were there. Um, then uh, then I went to a school here in Indiana uh, to get my PhD.
0: A school here in Indiana, I see you smiling. I think I know where I think I know where that school probably is.
1: Yeah, we've been downplaying the IU uh, connection, but uh, had a great experience there for uh, yeah for my PhD. Yeah,
0: your time at the Federal Reserve certainly—you uh, worked uh, with a number of states, including, I think, uh, very familiar with uh, portions of Indiana as well. Talk about your take, because I think it's interesting to look at—I guess more so from an economic development standpoint—but as the Indiana economy transitions and the kinds of jobs and the kinds of companies and industries that now are kind of in focus for indiana we see a a a shift of sorts i think in the economy How, how would you assess the state of the indiana economy the midwest generally and
1: indiana in particular uh you know seems to be doing relatively well um i i have been encouraged by something that's been in the headlines recently which is uh if you look at the top 10 companies in America by market capitalization. Lilly has moved into the top 10 uh, recently. And and it's just uh, it's just stuck in my head because so many of those companies are on the West Coast. Uh, if right. You look at it. Uh, Apple and Microsoft in particular, you know, Facebook, NVIDIA. These are Silicon Valley or Seattle. And uh, to have one out here in the Midwest is a new thing. And uh, I think it just shows you the payoff to pharmaceuticals uh, can be extraordinarily high. And, and it's, uh, it's really encouraging that you might see some of that wealth manufacturing, you know, come off of the West Coast and move to the Midwest.
0: Yeah, and certainly, Lilly and Purdue have had a very long relationship uh, over time, and that's stands to increase even more as you look at what's happening with the LEAP Innovation District and that vision for a, a technology corridor, if you will, between downtown Indianapolis and and West Lafayette. As you look at uh, some of these these industries that Indiana is competing uh, to get and succeeding in, in new energy, huge solar uh, investments in Southeast and Northwest Indiana, uh, data centers uh, now, Google up in Fort Wayne, Meta down in southeast indiana uh certainly the electrification of the auto industry a different kind of manufacturing your take on that from a, from uh you know if you're a family or folks here in, in indiana growing up it's a different kind of uh, economy i guess is that is that cause for concern or should it be cause for optimism that uh at, at what's ahead
1: now those those industries uh all look promising uh of course you can never guarantee results but I love the I 65 corridor project. I think uh, that's exactly the right idea. We've got chip manufacturing uh, as a possibility for uh, Indiana as we reshore and try to get more chip manufacturing in the U.S. Um, so I think there's a lot to like about what's going on. And I think the state has been. Uh, aggressive in in trying to think about, well, what does the future really hold? What kinds of jobs do we really want to attract? And how could we get those jobs uh, to land here? And
0: so lots of good things going on. As you look at, you talk about the reshoring uh, w- when it comes to manufacturing, in particular chip manufacturing and the CHIPS Act. Senator Todd Young, certainly a, uh, a driver of that legislation. There are critics of that, to be sure, but there are a lot of people who Suggest that that can be a very positive thing, including for states like Indiana. Schools like Purdue uh, obviously play into that and and a, and a major asset in that regard. As you look at, at 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 computer chips, microelectronics, that kind of thing, is that is that an industry that Indiana can excel in? I think it is, and
1: uh, I think that. You know, when you think geopolitically, you can see that you, it's probably not the wisest thing to have all the chip manufacturing in Taiwan, which is yeah. basically uh, what, we're, what we're doing right now. So to diversify that out across the globe and make sure that the politics, global politics, doesn't come back to bite you later on, I think that would be wise. So it's, at, I mean, you won't get a bigger advocate of markets than me and let markets do the work. But sometimes you have to temper that a little bit with, uh, with the realities of what's going on globally. So uh, that's what I would see in the CHIPS Act, a deliberate effort to uh, move some of the production uh, around and diversify a little bit around the globe. I think Indiana can definitely compete. The other thing that's going on in the chip world is uh, that you have generative AI coming in. And the chips that you want for that are actually different from the ones, the kind of standard chips that are used for other purposes. So that's why NVIDIA has become so popular. But generative AI is really running rampant on Wall Street right now. And for good reason, uh, there's a lot of potential there in that technology as it diffuses over the next decade.
0: Artificial intelligence is it seems to be everywhere affecting all industries and and entities, if you will. How does AI play into to, to what you're doing there at the at the Daniel School of Business from an education standpoint? How important is that AI piece to uh, to education? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big component. Uh, we already I already
1: inherited a great program the business Analytics and Machine Learning program. That's been popular at the undergraduate level, and also the specialized master's program. Uh, and those uh, students have been placed at fantastic places all around the country, all the all the top uh, kinds of places. So I just think there's a lot more that's going to happen in this area, and it looks like blue sky ahead when you can connect with AI. Uh, Purdue's also a powerhouse in computer science, and so we have lots of. Uh, and we're trying to expand there as well. We're, part of the Lilly grant went to uh, Comp Compsai as well. So we're going to partner on that side. And I think we'll prov- provide uh, excellent educational opportunities there as well.
0: You know, I think as I observe things going on in Indiana, uh, certainly as a state, we're blessed to have institutions in particular like Purdue. But you look at the public institutions, private schools, really a a, a big group of impressive institutions. As you look and you've touched on some of the positives, What, in your view, is there, a, is there a big challenge facing Indiana or states like Indiana here in the Midwest going forward? A lot of talk about workforce and education levels and those types of things. As you look at uh, maybe potential dark clouds on the horizon, as you look to the future, what's what's the biggest thing maybe facing a state like Indiana?
1: Yeah, I have uh, some stats recently. One of our faculty members was suggesting that the propensity of high school seniors in Indiana to go to college has actually declined, which I think is a concerning thing. Us economists know from lots of research that has gone on in our field that there's a skill premium And that, uh, those that get the higher education, uh, do much better over their careers. So to have people deliberately saying that they don't want to do that and they, they're going to kind of wing it on their own. You can do well from doing that. And certainly some of them will, but that isn't the, you aren't playing the odds when you're doing that. So hopefully I can, uh, a few more uh, high school seniors to coming, uh, uh, to Purdue or going to one of our other fine institutions in the state, but um, would be concerning if you have that dropping over time on a sustained basis.
0: Final question for you, Jim, what what can we expect? Uh, uh, I know you have so much going on there, but from the Daniel School of Business uh, at Purdue here in 2024, you mentioned a groundbreaking on uh, a new uh, a new state-of-the-art building. What, uh, what will the rest of 2024 look like? Uh, Well,
1: I want to make a little bit of progress every day. Uh, I think with a big project like this, you can't bite everything off at at once. Hopefully we'll get good prioritization about things that can be done near term, things they will have to wait for the medium term. Uh, We're moving quickly. We put a management team in place just a few weeks ago, including some outsiders, but a lot of insiders here that know uh, how the university works. So we have a lot of... um, uh, a lot of work to do, but I, I call it happy work uh, when you're trying to uh, build something up and you have as much enthusiasm around it as you have here.
0: Well, we are happy that you are are here at Indiana, Jim. Jim Bullard is the inaugural dean of the Mitchell E. Daniels School of Business at Purdue University. And, Jim, I look forward to seeing you in person soon. And uh, good luck to the Boilers getting, uh, getting closer and closer to March and that really exciting time of year. So we'll be following that as well. Great. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk today. All right. Jim Bullard, the former president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, and once again, the dean at the Mitchell E. Daniels School of Business at Purdue. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. We're presented by PNC and a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.